It is Health and Wellbeing Time on Hatu and URFM with Peter Mullen. And Peter, uh, last week when we just brought open the topic of weight loss, we, we covered the obviously the big elephant in the room, which was poor diet, having all those extra carbs heaped into your, into your diet. So if you haven't got that right, it's game over right at the get-go for sure. And you can't, the, the problem is you can't exercise your way out of a metabolically toxic diet. And what's, what's fascinating is that we all know now that it's not just about calories in, calories out. It's where those calories come from. Certain foods and foods such as um, uh, bread, good processed to see so well, foods. Good to see you so well organized. <laughs> I, had, I had my notes written down here. Um, Would you like to buy my reading glasses, mate, <laughs> Bread, processed foods, etc. And yeah, so breads, so calories coming from breads and processed foods actually cause us to become more addicted to those foods. Yeah, where and and we actually overconsume them, and that's unfortunately what a lot of the, the the food companies that produce junk food know. A lot of in the world, it's interesting. A lot of lower socioeconomic um, communities have much higher rates of obesity, and one of the reasons is that junk food is cheaper. And these junk food manufacturers have worked out that certain combinations of fats and sugars, as well as the additives and preservatives, actually get people hooked or addicted to these foods. So if you're eating a diet high in processed foods and bread is one of the most processed foods, then you're going to crave and want to eat a higher amount of those foods. Whereas if you eat a diet based around whole food, meats, fish, chicken, vegetables, Mm. you actually don't eat as much. All right. Otherwise, the momentum gets you. Um, So next on our list... Sorry, yep, you go. Yeah, well, I was just saying, next up, once you've sort of got some of the basics of the diet right, uh, there could be some other factors there, and our, our hormones and the imbalance of those could be uh, causing us to hold on onto some of that weight. Um, take us through some of the ways that our hormones work against us in this field. Well, one of the, one of the ways, and food's, food's an area that I'm just fascinated with because it should be common sense. We should just eat healthy, whole, live, fresh foods. But um, the foods we eat also affect our hormones. So one of the hormones particularly affected in talking about excessive carbs, because remember, carbs in our diet break down to sugar in our bloodstream. So bread is a carbohydrate. Bread contains starch. Starch is glucose molecules all joined together. So if you have a slice of bread, you're dumping a heap of sugar into your bloodstream, and your body will always burn sugar first before it will even look at your fat stores. So one of the problems with our higher, often higher westernized, higher carbohydrate westernized diet is that we can end up with um, problems with blood sugar management and insulin. And some of my patients that have, you know, for years have been sort of maybe yo-yo dieting where they put on weight, lost weight, whatever, over a long-term period have ended up with insulin resistance where now it's taking their pancreas to produce more and more insulin to get that sugar out of the blood and into the muscle cells to burn for fuel. So once the insulin starts to get higher and higher, which is in that pre-diabetes sort of phase, um, insulin resistance can really make it difficult for someone to get into fat burning and often encourages glucose that's not burnt for fuel to be promoted into an alcohol that goes into the liver and creates fatty liver. So insulin resistance, that's the number one thing that I often see is a big block for people trying to lose weight. Which, of course, comes back to the food uh, again. Um, food and stress over stre- a long-term okay. period. Yeah. Okay, so how does stress become a factor in that? I get the food point. You're just dumping a whole lot of sugar and the body struggles to deal with it, so these problems happen. But how does stress factor into that? Stress and long-term elevated cortisol levels. So cortisol is a long-term stress coping hormone. 
And if we spend a lot of our life in a high and heightened stress state, which we can do just by working in a job for 40, 50 hours a week for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we forget that that probably one of the biggest stresses in our life is our the time we spend in our career over a long time. Um, elevated cortisol contributes to, again, insulin resistance, <clears throat> makes it harder to get into fat burning. And we often see people that have both insulin resistance and cortisol problems carrying their weight around their tummy. You know, we call these more the apple types that have, you know, that mm. sort of bigger tummy but maybe the skinny legs and and backside. So that can be due to insulin and also um, elevated cortisol or stress hormone. Okay. Uh, moving on, uh, serotonin imbalance. And, and I suppose this is probably back-ending on your stress thing again because depression and anxiety can be a factor. Come hand-in-hand. Hand. So one of the things that's suspected is that – well, two things actually. Interestingly, if you're low energy of its own merit, if you, if you, feel, if you get, suffer from brain fog and you're tired a lot and your brain feels tired – your brain will actually drive you to look for sugar or carbohydrates because your brain thinks that sugar will give it energy. Likewise, if you're suffering from depression and you have low serotonin, low serotonin can cause your brain to cause you to have more cravings for carbs and sugars because, again, your brain thinks that if you have more carbs and sugars, that's going to improve brain energy and mood as well. So a lot of people that suffer with anxiety and depression often find that they're driven to look for foods that try and give them momentarily relief from those symptoms. One of the last ones I think it uh, I think I've, I think I've got this permanently is leptin resistance. It's the hormone that tells you your, your brain that you're actually full. Well, again, it's um, how does that break and how do we fix that one? <laughs> well, again, it's like overuse or wear and tear over a long term. We we lose. We become. We can become almost insensitive or um, resistant to your own leptin so that you don't get the messages that you're full. And, you know, we see this with certain foods again as well, like chocolate. You can be eating chocolate until you almost physically feel sick. But because you're getting a dopamine response in your brain, you're missing the leptin response telling you that. It's kind of cancelling the other out, isn't it? Cancelling the other out. There's more noise going on in the head than what there is in the coming from the stomach. And the other one, which we didn't get to, was underactive thyroid. And um, that's a really common one as well. Women, unfortunately, as women get older, women have less muscle mass than men, as we all know, genetically. And um, if you think about it this way, your muscle tissue is where we burn glucose for fuel. So your muscle tissue is kind of the engine in your car. So you want a big engine and we want a small trailer of stored fuel. So unfortunately, all of us, as we get older, we lose muscle mass and we lose mitochondria. We're losing our metabolism. So pretty much as we get older, we can't afford to be eating the same amount of food as what we did when we were 20 or 30, which unfortunately we all try and still get away with sometimes. Constantly. Um, but one of the um, organs or systems that can crash and burn as we get a bit older is if our thyroid starts to become underfunctioning. And we've talked about thyroid numerous times on this show, but um, thyroid and underfunctioning thyroid always needs to be checked out, as can insulin resistance get checked out by your doctor if you're having trouble losing weight. And, uh, Peter, a couple of calls. We'll see if we can uh, – in fact, we might even do that straight away. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Phil, you've got a question on low-carb breads for Peter today. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a diabetic type 2, but um, I know multigrain bread's good for you. 
but is it there's a low carb bread out? Um, is that just as good as the multi grain or and against eating white? Yeah, hi Phil. Um, look, the the challenge with a lot of multi grains is that they're kind of like white bread with some bits and pieces thrown in. Yep. So in a lot of the commercial breads, there's not a lot of difference between eating multigrain to eating white bread. And even whole traditional or commercial wholemeal bread is often white flour-based with just some extra brown fiber. So you're better off to eat actually a low-carb, a dedicated low-carb bread for sure. Yep, okay then. No but, worries, because as I say, I just didn't know... You get different opinions yeah. from dietitians. Yeah, that. absolutely, absolutely. That's my opinion. But and the other thing, of course, is you can get if you if you do eat bread, try and get an organic whole grain um, wheat or sourdough rye bread, for instance, where you're getting more nutrition in the cereal or the grain as well, for sure. Okay, so so you can get a, a sourdough with a multi uh, with a grain in it. Yeah, it's like a sourdough, like an organic sourdough rye bread would be the other alternative. Yep. But check out the the carb content. You know, all bread should have that panel on it. Yep. Check yep. that against because you're looking for low carb. See what yep. a low carb bread actually looks like, how different it is. And I'd go, I'd probably go more for that one. But you can yep. compare it to the sourdough, organic sourdough rye bread as well. Okay, then. Thanks very much. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, and that's a, a thing, isn't it? it? That's where you can get – I'm not going to say trick, that's the wrong word, but you can sort of um, not necessarily do yourself the favour that you want to do. Because oh, I want to buy X product or Y product because it, it's going to be healthier for me. But if it doesn't quite do what you want it to do, um, you're really sort of not you know, getting the best value. Value is the wrong word, but you, you're not actually making the health choice that you think you're making. Also, too, like when – so Phil's question about – um, low-carb bread versus multigrain. If you look at the nutritional panels on the back of these products, you might find your low-carb bread isn't that much lower in carb than your normal bread. So you can't just go off the name of something either. Do you know what I mean? Like even yeah. even when something makes a claim, you've still got to look at that nutritional panel and look at the comparison between that and, and what you're comparing it with, for sure. It's, it's if someone says, I'm the best, I'm number one, well, that's, that's, yeah, it's just that's relative. All right, Peter, um, we want to move on a little bit now to um, inflammation, chronic inflammation, how this is going to be an issue for, um, uh, for weight loss. Yeah, look, inflammation is, it's interesting. Inflammation is happening in our bodies all the time. It's how we heal and repair. So if we, you know, sprain your ankle, if you sprain your ankle, you damage tissue, chemicals get released to your bloodstream, your immune system says, oh my goodness, what are those chemicals? And your immune cells release chemicals that cause the tissue to swell up, which is the body's way of isolating the problem and mm-hmm. signaling the rest of the immune system to come on board and deal with it. So the inflammation, inflammatory response turns on, heals the foot, and then turns back off. The problem with um, some foods, when some people are intolerant or inflammatory to certain foods, that irritation all the time keeps the body in a low-grade stage of inflammation. And we see this with gut health a lot. People that have an irritable bowel basically have a low-grade level of inflammation in their gut wall. So, so how do we fix that? Um, well, first off, try and work out what foods might be contributing to that low-grade level. Now, one of my clients, for instance, if she has toast, normal bread, three mornings running, she'll put on a kilo and a half. Oh, really? But it's not fat. It's not fat. It's fluid. Uh huh. So she puffs up if she eats foods that are causing an inflammatory reaction for her. Now, just to to put us in the picture, that when you say toast, how much toast is she having per morning? Two slices a day. 
two slices, three breakfasts three running, in a row, and she's buggered from that. Half. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it's okay. interesting. So, but everyone's different. Like a lot of my menopausal women, all of a sudden, don't tend to tolerate a lot of grains and cereals once they go through menopause for some reason, and they'll start to get fluid problems where they're holding on to fluid. But when they cut out those foods, and I always believe that if you're puffing up or holding on to fluid, I think it's harder for your body to get into fat burning. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Peter. We'll move on. Colleen at Raymond Terrace. Uh, you've got some medication that you want to clear up to see if that's causing you some weight gain. Good morning, Colleen. Oh, good morning, um, Peter. Uh, yeah, I take um, catiapine at night and um, I'm just, I'm, I'm walking, I'm eating less, I'm eating better food, but um, I'm just not losing any weight. And I, I had a little research and it seems to be, um, contribute. It, it can contribute to gaining weight. And I just thought, wonder what your thoughts were on it. So what was the medication again? Catiapine, um, Q-U-E-T-I-A-P-I-N-E. Is there another uh, name? Is there another name? Yeah, Seroquel is one Seroquil. of the common names. Okay, yeah. well, Seroquel definitely has been associated with weight gain. Yes, And yes. increased appetite as well. Not for everybody, yes. but it is a, a listed side effect. Yes. Um, the challenge with that is that that medication is prescribed, I imagine, for a very specific reason, and I'm sure it's probably helping. Um, yeah, so for sleeping, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, tricky. yeah. it's tricky to work your way around that sometimes. Sometimes mm. um, you've got to be extra vigilant. And with the Seroquel or with that medication, um, I'd be extra careful with your carbs. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. So Breads. I probably shouldn't eat bread at all. Yeah, or bread, I... cereals and grains. Like I'd try and keep yeah. get those like processed carbs down and you might have to just work a lot harder than say someone else that can just reduce them. Yeah, right. Yeah, because I'm actually hovering between like trying to do that really well or to try and go off the medication altogether. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, it's challenging. Like your doctor can help you work out whether you can take a, a lesser dosage because that can be helpful as well, but always go through your GP. Um, but you might find with when you're on when things are a bit more complex like that, you might be better off actually going and seeing a naturopath and actually getting them to go right through the whole diet and work out a bit more of a specific program for you as well. All right, we've we've looked at everything from inflammation. We've looked at all of the um, everything from insulin resistance, of course, the dietary stuff. But we're kind of go full circle. In one of the one of the reasons we might be struggling with weight, and that is nutritional deficiency. Yeah, people don't always realise that. Like you know, that's a, it's a probably not these days, but in the early days of being a naturopath, a lot of people would say, you know, why do I need to take supplements if I'm having a healthy diet? But I think everybody's a lot wiser these days, but there's lots of variations on what is a healthy diet. And depending on our lifestyle, where we live, we do, I believe, need extra nutritional support. And it's true when we talk about um, weight loss as well. So certain nutrients um, can really play a big role. Um, Healthy gut flora. Now, it's an area we haven't probably thought about from a nutritional point of view, but healthy gut bugs really help us to maintain a good weight. Unhealthy gut bugs may actually contribute to us contribute to us craving certain foods. Great. So they're good old botanic, botanical gardens that's inside of our gut playing havoc with weight loss now. Absolutely, and making it more difficult for us to get into fat burning. And the way that the um, bacteria in the gut may affect 
our inability or difficulty in losing weight is that can increase our risk of insulin resistance if it's the wrong type of gut bugs. So there's actually a, um, a probiotic that you can take that has contains bacteria that have been shown to help promote healthy insulin sensitivity. So it's interesting. So, mm. yeah, getting the gut bugs sorted for starters. Um, fish oil. Um, fish oil plays multiple roles in the body. A lot of people are low in fish oil because it's just not in our diet these days unless you're eating lots of fish and even when i did a test on myself probably 12 months ago i thought i was eating plenty of fish but i came back deficient in essential fatty acids so i'm now taking a really good quality fish oil supplement and yeah, this is something that became very has been very popular over the last i would say what two decades roughly yeah yeah, yeah. and there's so much research around the benefits of fish oil um but yeah fish oils help to reduce inflammation in the body they help us to burn fat and also help with insulin resistance as well. And uh, magnesium is the third mineral. That's a very common deficiency. Magnesium plays a whole host of roles in the body, particularly to do with blood sugar management or blood sugar regulation as well, stress management, quality sleep. So if you're low in magnesium and you're having trouble getting into fat burning, correcting deficiencies of magnesium may actually be a bit of a turnkey for you as well. So just working, I guess, firstly is what what you might be low in or how you can go about you know getting these areas sorted it's funny when you look at a topic like weight loss and we just think it's always and sure that's the first thing you look at peter which is like you know what am i shoveling into my cake hole yes (laughs) but but when you look at all this stuff and when we didn't even haven't even even touched on exercise which is a whole other game here um it's a wonder that anybody is the right weight at all because there are so many things that can be out of sync that aren't right, that aren't tuned up the right way, that we've got too much of this, not enough of that. Um, And then we get stressed about it all, which basically compounds the problem. So um, I'm not sure if that's a a good or bad way of looking at it. Well, I guess guess it's just the reality. Like obesity and being overweight is the new norm these days. Like if you go to a function, you see, see a lean person, it's actually much rarer. Like most of us now are more chunkier and we're just wearing more clothes to cover it up. So... We have changed. If you look at footage, video footage of you know normal Westerners these days in a city compared to maybe 20 years ago, we, you can see that we definitely are all more chubbier. So, and just to finish up, so on a positive note, well, that wasn't very positive, was it? But no. it, it, it's actually I always believe that 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 focusing on a healthy weight is not just about the weight alone. It's the whole emotional and the stress component that comes with that as well. Um, but Five other areas that we need to think about, processed food, um, chemicals in our food, in our environment, everyday household products. Um, We don't even know what genetically modified food and genetically modified cereals and grains, what effect they might actually have. Uh, Antibiotics in medicine and food production, inactivity, which is, you know, lack of exercise and poor quality sleep. All right, a couple of, well, quite a lot for us to think about there as our own journey in that area continues. Uh, always a great chat, Peter. We'll catch you next week for another health and wellbeing. Thank you, Mark. Lovely to see you. Right here at 2NURFM 103.7. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, wellbeing, pet care, finance, business, and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.